There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Grammy-winning singer Denise Williams performs live at Bethesda Blues and Jazz this Saturday night in Bethesda, Maryland. She joined me to discuss her career from singing backup vocals for Stevie Wonder to recording her hit song Let's Hear It for the Boy on the Footloose soundtrack. Hey, Denise Williams. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in D.C. Oh, it's my pleasure. Great to be here with you. Yes, and we're talking because you were coming to the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club. It's a nice intimate spot, so listeners are going to get to see you up close and personal on Saturday, June 24th. Now, have you ever played Bethesda Blues and Jazz before? I want to start there. I think that this is going to be my at least my third time performing there. It's one of the clubs that I really, really love to perform at. Because basically of what you said, it's very intimate. You know, we have a lot of fun there, you know, visiting. Because I always see it as like my living room. You know, you come to see me and we chat and we talk and I sing. So it's an incredible venue and I'm excited to be there. Yeah, it's not just like, you know, a seated proscenium view. It's like you're you're almost like old school. Like you're seated at tables what, like a, at the Copa or something. I don't know what the equivalent is, but... <laughs> It's a night out. It's like an event. You know what I mean? Yes, it I is. Love it. It's a I, night out. And in terms of, I mean, we don't have to spoil the whole set list, but give us an idea. Is it like your greatest hits from over the years or is there anything new you're working on? Any covers or, you know, give us a sample of you know what we might hear. I am in studio working on a new project and I'm hoping to get that finished this year. Um, but basically, you know, they're songs that everybody wants to hear, you know, certainly they want to hear less hear it for the boy. They want to hear free. You know, they want to hear black butterfly. That's, you know, so there's a set of uh, set roster of songs that I do, because if I don't do certain songs, somebody's not going to be happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the ticket for this song. You better play. That's it. right. <laughs> well, you have a ton of stuff to choose from. So everyone turn out to see exactly what the song, the set list is. Um, well, I want to get into some of the ones, you, the songs you mentioned, but real quick before I'd love to sort of back up and, you know, remind everyone how you got into this racket to begin with you. I know you were, uh, you know, born in, what was it Gary, Indiana? Uh, yes. what, what, what sort of stuff did you listen to growing up? You know, who were your musical heroes back then? Um, well, I was listening to the Supremes. I was listening to Gladys Knight and the Pips. I was listening to um, Lena Horne. I was I was listening to um, you know just a plethora of different people. Uh, Johnny Mathis, who I ended up singing with yeah. eventually down the line. But um, I just loved uh, Nancy Wilson, who I wanted to look like, be like, sound like, you know. Um, Earl Grant, my mom had a record collection and when she would go to work after school before she got home, I'd sneak into her room and play all her records. I mean, Jackie Gleason had a, 
a, a record out called the Jackie Gleason Orchestra, and they did all standard songs, but they didn't sing the lyrics. They did oohs and ahs, and so <laughs> I, I think that my my um, musical taste is just you know around a lot of different kind of musical things. When I was in high school, my music teacher we played uh, in the high school band. We played a lot of music from theater, you know, West Side Story and others. So I had a yeah. very well-rounded taste bud where my music is concerned. Oh, all inspired by all the greats, a lot well-rounded, versatile stuff. Um, and and real quick before you, you know, you got your big break. Didn't isn't there also a, a somewhat uh, brief local tie? Didn't you go to Morgan State University in Baltimore just for a brief stint too? Around here, I did go to Morgan State yeah. University. And it, it was just incredible because I was 800 miles away from home <laughs> and this little church girl turned into something else at Morgan State. <laughs> it was <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful experience there. Yeah, I loved it. And years later, I had a student loan there. And so they called me after I free had come out my very first project and they said, okay, Miss Williams, uh, you have a student loan with us. I said, listen, can I just come in and teach the business of music for three days there and sing with the choir? And they, and, and that would clear it up and they said, perfect. We'll and pay it, was it off wonderful. that way. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> and I got out of my student loan. <laughs> yeah. Can you come sing and get some of us out of our student loans? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish it was that easy for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's great. That's a cool story. Thanks for that. Uh, well, one more before, before, you know, your big break, before they start calling you back to sing for your loans. Uh, didn't you do some early stuff sort of as like, um, was it like a backup vocalist on some Stevie Wonder and Roberta Flack? Like, aren't you in some of the, like the iconic albums, like songs in the key of life and all that stuff. Like you're actually on those tracks. I'm actually on those tracks. I started in the, um, industry with Stevie, my cousin um, from Detroit, Michigan, he would come to Gary, Indiana for a week with his grandmother. And he would always brag about how he knew Stevie. And for about six years, I said, you know what, Pinocchio, your nose is growing. Stop lying. <laughs> yeah, everybody lived in Detroit, so they know Stevie. You but didn't believe it, it at out, first. <laughs> oh, but as it turned out, he got me an audition with Stevie. Wow. And I sang as a background singer with him. Uh, for three and a half years and an incredible musical journey there. Um, you know, talking books, songs in the key of life. And then uh, I left him and I went to sing with Roberta Flack, which was also an incredible experience with Roberta Flack. I learned so much. And I think I'm on one of Roberta's songs, Feel Like Making Love to yeah. you is Roberta and I and she was just really wonderful wonderful and I studied her as a you know a woman in the industry going out single woman as those kind of things so it was an incredible it has been an incredible journey yes absolutely all right well then that sort of chronologically brings us up to the big break that you're talking about when you signed with columbia i guess in mid 70 75 something that first album this is nisi uh i guess it was 76 uh with the song free any memories of either signing that record deal or putting together that that song free um, you know, when we were with Stevie, Wonder Love was the group, and a lot of times we'd be at rehearsal waiting for Steve to come. So we started to write songs, and so I wrote this song with um, 
a couple of other band members who say Green, Hank Red, and, and uh, Nathan Wass. We were just kind of messing around. And so uh, right before Stevie would come out on the stage, he let Wonder Love do a song. So one night they said, okay, let's do Denise's song tonight. Let's do Free. I said, okay. So we went out and we did Free. And what I didn't know is sitting on the front row was Maurice White, Bertie White, Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind and Fire. Wow. And so after the show, um, their um, manager came back and they said, hey, you know, we really liked your song. Whose song is that? I said, that's my song. I, <laughs> I wrote that with some of my friends. And uh, I said, I got a bunch of songs. Can I send them to you? Because yeah. Philip Bailey and I sing in the same register. And so I sent them the tape, you know, of my songs. I didn't hear anything back for about eight months or so. And then they called and said, you know, Maurice White wants to meet with you. So I met with Maurice. And so he said, well, I just signed a girls group called The Emotions and I'm looking for a female solo artist. And I think you're it. I said, what? Philip's not going to sing my song? You know? <laughs> But, you know, of course, the rest is history. We did yeah. the first project, This Is Nisi with Free, and, you know, things took off. Absolutely, and they took off, and you got to perform with, like you mentioned, Johnny Mathis, who you grew up listening to. Suddenly, you're actually recording duets with, um, I guess, what was it, Too Much, Too Little, Too Late? I think that yes. maybe even topped the charts. That might have gone all the way up to number one. And you're all I need to get by, of course. Just just yeah. memories of, of what what we've interviewed Johnny on, on this show. Check out the archives, folks. But uh, just okay. you know, a, a wonderful human, seems like, just from interviewing. But, you know, what was it like working with him? You know, you, you know the inside scoop on Johnny. You know, what was it like working with him? Oh, it was incredible, just incredible. Um, when I saw him, we went in the studio, you know, we were both very afraid. He's this legend and I'm this neophyte. <laughs> and so um, we, you know, he said, listen, I've never sang with anybody before. So, you know, just tell me what to sing because you've done a lot of background work and, you know, so we got in there and uh, somehow we had a bottle of wine. So at the end of that bottle of wine, we we weren't nervous anymore. And we went <laughs> in and we sang the song. I told him, I said, listen, I've been re in rehearsals with you for 20 years. I'm ready now. And it was just incredible. He is probably one of the one of the kindest and most humble person I've ever worked with in the industry, just a sweetheart. And so uh, it was a lot of fun and we did have a number one, I, I think in some countries worldwide and we got a chance to um, perform for uh, Prince Charles. We did a command performance with Prince Charles of that song. And um, it was just incredible to work with him and oh my gosh, my mom, oh, I got to get a new dress. I'm going to the studio. I said, no, you're not. Not acting like that. No. <laughs> Your mom was like, I got to meet Johnny Mathis. This That's right. That was yeah. that was her guy. You know, her, her um, you know, generation had grown up yeah. listening to John. So yeah. it was incredible, an incredible experience. Wow. Yeah, well. That was sort of like you're saying, drinking glass of wine, liquid courage for the old, the crooner style, the icon. <laughs> but the next, the next one later, like, is a dance hit. I've got the next dance. Uh, any good oh stories God. of being at? Were you ever like out at a club or and see that come on and watch people rush the dance floor? I want to go, you know, as a contrast to maybe some of the Johnny stuff. Like that one was probably a really fun one to watch people dance to. <laughs> oh my gosh! I tell you, 
Johnny and I had, um, you know, the record labels wanted us all to do disco dance stuff because yeah. um, my friend um, who I miss, Donna Summers, had come over and changed the face of music. Rest so in peace. We, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. I loved her. She's a nice lady. Um, and so, um, you know, the record label all said, you got to do this dance song. So gosh, I went and I did this dance song. So John and I go and we do the command performance for Prince Charles. And I come back and I'm slated to be on a television show. And so I'm on the television show and I'm in the dressing room. All of a sudden I heard them say, Disco Divas, Grace Jones, Vicki Sue Robinson, and Denise Williams. I said, huh? <laughs> I said, now I'm a disco queen. <laughs> yeah, disco diva, just like that. <laughs> disco queen, just like that. Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I was saying, what? Okay. I'll take Vicky it. Vicki Sue Robinson, Grace Jones, and Denise Williams. I said, all right, here we go. All right. Yeah, that's good company. Go for it. Hey, if they want, if they want to call you that, just run, take it and run with it for hey. that. I, I said, it. okay, I got a new identity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, your identity continued to evolve uh, because you get your first Grammy nomination. I believe it was for It's Gonna Take a Miracle. Any memories? Of, did you actually go attend? Did you, you know, any good stories from sitting in the audience or hoping they'd call your name? You know, I want to know that first experience. Well, I tell you, the first one that I got was uh, Johnny and I got an American Music Award. Okay. And I was so busy talking to my date. I didn't even hear them call my name. This is <laughs> somebody behind me saying, they just called you. I said, what? They just called you. And I, I was in a state of shock. There was no way that I felt, you know, that we were going to win this. Yeah. And yet we did. So it's it's just been incredible. I think twice and, and one time after that, I was sitting there and and uh, I was in my limits. I was on the way there. Traffic was horrible. Next thing I know, I get a phone call. Hey, you just won a Grammy. I said, whoa, come on. <laughs> so the record label got up, but I didn't miss the rest of them. Yeah, did so the Grammys, I think we're they were uh we'll double back to let's hear it for a boy and in, in the boy in a second because that's the huge one everyone's gonna know. But just while we're talking about the Grammys, you've won you won like multiple for I believe like more gospel categories, right? I surrender all yeah. they say, I believe in you, this and this is my song, like stuff like that was when you started winning these Grammys. Like, what was it like? You've done Johnny, you've done disco, disco diva, <laughs> and now you're doing gospel. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, talk about just sort of that stage of your career getting to do gospel. Well, I had already always put a gospel song on each one of my um, secular pro projects with Columbia. Yeah. It was the first time I got a Grammy it was for a gospel song that was on the, my secular project. And I was just shocked that <laughs> that even happened because that particular, the, the gospel audience really doesn't gravitate towards secular artists. You know, right. you know, it's like we're over here, you're over here. But they accepted me, and I think it was because I had always, from the very beginning of my career, had put gospel music on my project, so they knew it wasn't just something 
I was jumping into. It was a part of who I was. And so just to see these things, you know, these nominations come up and let's hear it for the boy, of course, was nominated as well. Yeah. Um, so it and at just, the Oscars. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that was very interesting because um, I was there for Let's Hear for Boy. My other Wonder Love member, ex Wonder Love member, Ray Parker Jr., was there for Ghostbusters. Right. And then our boss was there. Stevie was there for I Just Called to Say I Love You. So Man. we were just all there at the Oscars. And um, it was just incredible to see that we, we, um, not only got nominated, but we were also, uh, we sang, we performed for the Oscars. That must have been really cool. Well, tell me, yeah. uh, that whole, I mean, that whole soundtrack, the Footloose soundtrack with with Let's Hear For The Boy. Uh, well, Let's Hear For The Boy, I think was maybe, uh, or obviously topped the charts on the radio too, but just as a movie soundtrack too, like speak to, I mean, obviously there's the Kenny Loggins on the title track, but like, yeah. You know, why, why do you think that movie works so well? Is it Kevin Bacon's dancing? Is it the soundtrack? Or is it just the, how it all came together? I think because it all came, how it all came together. It was it was an incredible film. You know, the, the subject of how they put together. And a lot of people have experienced that where, you know, coming, especially in the Midwest where we're from, where, you know, there's a lot of thou shall not, you know. Right. Thou should not do this, thou should not do that. And see, I think a lot of people, especially the Midwesterners, really gravitated to that movie because of the message. And then also for me to be sitting there, because I didn't know where my song was. And when I saw Chris Penn learning how to dance on my movie, it was kind of like the payoff. And I sat there and I cried. I really cried. It was like, man, if my song could be anywhere in the film, this was the perfect spot for it. And it's just wonderful. So, you know, I can't go anywhere with not singing Let's Hear for the Boy. I didn't, I didn't know I'd be singing at 35, almost 40 years later, but here we go. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you've had a long, successful career. All the songs we've mentioned and even ones we haven't, but like it, that is like this song that, you know, you have, I'm sure some people are like, oh, I get tired of singing my hits, but I'm, I'm hoping that at least for you, you're at least at a place where you're like, you know what? I owe a lot to that song. I'm going to sing it yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to know that the music has lived that long in the hearts and minds of people, you know, and that they want to hear it and that I had an opportunity to work on such great music. You know, yeah. I do, I do appreciate that. And I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. Have, did you ever after that, after Footloose, like, you know, when, I don't know, it's red carpets and making all this box office money and all this stuff. Did you ever get to meet, you know, talk to like Kevin Bacon or John Lithgow or anyone from the movie? And and did they say thank you for your song? <laughs> <laughs> I never ran into ran into those guys at, at all. But um, we should have done this we, interview last week. I interviewed Kevin Bacon last week. I could have put oh he could have thanked God. you on Zoom. Ah, yeah. miss chance. <laughs> well, I tell you though, but it was just incredible. Um, the love that I got from the writers, you know, Tom Snow and, and uh, yeah. Dean Pitchford, and just how they just was so excited for me to be on the project and so much love and talking to me after George Duke and I had had done it. Um, it was just an, it was just an incredible moment. 
Yeah, and I, I could be, I'm going to throw out some trivia. You might have to double check me, listeners, but I'm pretty sure the Footloose soundtrack might have been what finally dethroned the Thriller album. I think. I think Thriller was going on for like 10 weeks or something, and then that soundtrack, I think, finally edged out. I could be wrong. I need to look that up afterwards. If I'm wrong, I'll edit this out. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be interesting. I'm going to look that up myself. <laughs> I think we got to, you know, there's lots of uh, trivia floating around the internet, but you need to fact check it. So we'll we'll double check yeah. that. But I'm pretty we'll sure either way, it was a monster soundtrack is what yeah. is the point um and all right well so uh, thank you for joining us i mean i'm trying to think of some um some like stuff today that you know your that shows your ongoing legacy is, is did i hear that your let's hear it for the boy wardrobe your outfit is up at the hard rock cafe in in, in indiana somewhere like you've come full circle to your hometown yes it is they, the uh dress one of the dresses that i wore last year for the boy is at the hard rock cafe in gary indiana and that was just such an honor, you know, to to be there and to um, be there for the guitar smash that we did at the Hard Rock when it opened, and so it's it's just it's just been phenomenal. When they smash those guitars, they do people gotta like cover their drinks. You don't want you know a tuner thing to fly into you know when that guitar smashing you know fly into your drink there. Listen, we were out there smashing those guitars, and after we smashed them, you know, these fireworks went up, and all <laughs> I could think about was, uh, I better protect my hair, you know, because Michael lit on fire with Oh, yeah, like the, the Pepsi commercial, I right? Down there yeah. at, I looked down there at his brother, Tito Jackson, and I said, we better be careful. <laughs> You're like, oh, I get how this could easily happen. I get it now. Oh my Watch gosh. out. <laughs> when, the, when the fireworks went up right behind me, I'm like, oh my God, you know, so. Absolutely. And uh, one other final uh, question of something more recent, an honor you got. Um, didn't you just, in down in Jamaica, I guess uh, last month in May, uh, you received the keys to Kingston, Jamaica? I received the key to Kingston, the key to the city and a bunch of awards that they gave me and that was so so lovely i've been in and out of um jamaica in and out at least touring there every year and you know i knew bob marley and jimmy cliff and i used to write together so it's like um it's like second home it's another home you know, gary so indiana was... and kingston jamaica you know the who the hoosier goes <laughs> to the caribbean right <laughs> wasn't there like a, oh. didn't they create a, a perfume or something too for you? Yep, they, they gave me a Denise Williams perfume. I need to get on that and get that out to people. I got a perfume. I got keys to the city. I got <laughs> declarations. <laughs> Everything. Wow. All right. Well, maybe get that perfume selling up here in the States, too. You never know. People listening right. to this. Yeah. Wear, wear, right. it, wear it to Bethesda Blues and Jazz, uh, folks. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for for joining us anything else you want to say just tell our listeners you know come on out they're gonna have a good time at bethesda blues and jazz well come on out we're gonna have a lot a lot a lot of fun we usually do when we go to bethesda uh, jazz club there it's beautiful and it's personable and you and i are just be hanging it out hanging out got some great music coming so come on we're gonna have a lot of fun yes let's hear it for the boy let's hear it for the disco diva let's hear it for <laughs> Whatever they're calling you now. All right. Thank you That's so much right. for joining us. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you. Lovely right. to speak with you. Absolutely. We'll see you in Bethesda. Bye now. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. <laughs>